if you've been coming for the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been in a series called Bodybuilding and where we're working on building the body of Christ and specifically this local body. So no, it's not about my exercise routine. It is about what we have been called to do as the church. And uh, as I was preparing for this one, I, I couldn't help but think about all the changes that are finally coming on. You know, air is getting a little bit crisper. Leaves are starting to slowly and steadily. And for some of you, it's like, no, the end of summer. And for me, it's like, yes, the beginning of fall. And uh, I love the fall. I, I love hoodie season. I love layers because then, you know, I, just, I love layers. Um, you know, I enjoy this season. It's, it's so much fun for me. And listen, I, I love football. And uh, football season upon me, and I'm a glutton for punishment, man. I am a, a diehard Bears fan, emphasis on the dying part. And uh, I, I just love it. It's my team. I am a faithful man. I'm a man of God. I am all about faith. And so uh, I was thinking about that in conjunction with what we're going to be talking about today. And when you think about any kind of football team, or really any sports team, but specifically football team, uh, people love to buy the jerseys, right? And so you buy the jerseys, and when you go to the game, you see all these jerseys being worn by people who've never played football in their life, but they're wearing another person's work uniform. And so we have all these jerseys on, and there's a particular um, type of player that gets his jersey bought, right? For the most part, it's the skill players who have their jerseys bought, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, running backs, even on defense, it's the star skill players. They might be a cornerback or they might play on the sides. So a lot of these players get their jerseys bought and you see these jerseys all over the area. And I was thinking about it, there's one type of player though, poor guys, nobody buys their jerseys. Nobody buys the big boy jerseys. Nobody buys the offensive linemen. Those five fat dudes in the front who block and protect and do all this dirty work. Their fingers are all mangled. If you've ever watched like an interview with an offensive lineman, they almost all have broken fingers that they're just like, it's not even worth fixing this anymore. Like they have disgusting hands and they're all beat up. And I mean, it, they just go through literal hell in those trenches and they can't get their jersey bought. Like nobody goes. And most people, you can't even name the offensive lineman on a team, especially if you're a fair weather fan. So you might be able to name all we got a new quarterback in Justin Fields, and he's going to do it. I know we've said that every quarterback since the history of the Bears, but this one's going to do it. And this, you know, we got this. But if you were to say who's the lineman, most of you in this room, I would argue, have no clue. Even in fantasy drafts, nobody drafts offensive linemen. You don't even think about them in that game. Well, why am I bringing that up? Because sometimes the things that are less noticed are still most important. And as we've been going through this series, I want you to notice what we're picking up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've been looking at this the last three weeks. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verse 22 through 26. It goes on to say, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. You know, there are some parts that maybe don't get the recognition that other parts 
of the body getting. And even like I was thinking about with that analogy of football players, and, you know, nobody buys the offensive lineman jersey, nobody drafts them in the fantasy league. Most people don't care. But you know who really, really, really cares? The quarterback. <laughs> That quarterback understands if these five men don't block for me, I'm dead on every play. If these five men don't do their job, I can't do my job. And so if you look at most teams, the quarterback pays for the offensive lineman dinner and them big boys can eat. The quarterback buys them gifts at the end of the year. They'll get Rolexes. They'll get golf carts. I don't know why, but I guess they don't want to walk around the campground. They'll get all these really unique, expensive, and you better make sure the gift is expensive because you desperately want these men to do their job if you're the quarterback. You know, in church, there are certain positions, there are certain roles that get a lot of attention, like the pastor. And people give the pastor a lot of accolades and, and they think the pastor is this amazing person. And, you know, that might be true. But if you think the pastor does this alone, then you are sorely mistaken. If you think the role of the church can only be done through one human being who is fallible, who makes mistakes, who's not able to be everywhere at all times, then you've misunderstood the body because you're only recognizing a body part. Listen, I love how he goes in, and there's a few layers in this in Corinthians, and I'd like to touch base on a few of them because I think some of us might be represented in this, and if we're not careful, oftentimes we look at those more prominent parts, and then we look at ourselves, and we feel less than. Because I can't sing like Pastor Jason or, or Pastor Izzy or Jessica. I, I can't lift up and, and do all the things that, that, you know, different people in the church that get recognition do. I can't, you know, preach to children like Pastor Evelyn. I, I can't, you know, communicate the word like Pastor Joey. I don't know how to pray like sisters. I mean, we just get into these insecurities because we see these prominent roles that oftentimes stand on a platform. And we go, well, I can't do that. So maybe I'm not as important as they are. I'm not able to contribute the same way that they're able to contribute. And so as a result, oftentimes, we don't feel like contributing at all. Because we think, well, I don't know what I have to give because maybe what you have to give isn't visible. But I'm telling you, it's the behind the scenes, it's the invisible that is so critically important to every aspect of the church. So the first thing he talks about when he goes into this, he says, some parts of the body seem the weakest. Seem the weakest, those who work behind the scenes and have a less high profile. If we're going on with the analogy, uh, I would argue that this is how we would maybe describe our organs, our internal organs, our internal body parts. They don't get the recognition that the outward body, you know, it's, you don't have somebody on the cover of a fitness magazine because their internal body parts look so good. It's the exterior that we often admire and admonish and go, wow, look at that. And most of the time, we don't even think about our own internal organs or body parts until there's something wrong. Until you can't breathe, now all of a sudden you're thinking about your lungs. Until you start having pain in your abdominal, now you're thinking something's going on. Until there's something wrong, you don't notice what's going on. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. See, if you are one of those behind the scenes people, you may not ever get the recognition this side of heaven. 
There may never be a moment where somebody puts you on a platform and says, look at how amazing this individual is. And if I could be honest, most people who really enjoy this kind of work never want to be put on a pedestal like that. You would freak out. And I think about this with, uh, with my little sister, Jenny. Jenny, you here? I want to point you out and make sure everybody stares at you. Okay, good. You're lucky I can't see you right now. But I think about it because Jenny, uh, every year for our youth retreat, for years now, her and her husband have volunteered their time, their skill set to cook meals for all of our teenagers when they go to that camp. Now, that doesn't seem like a big deal to most people, but I'll tell you this. If you've ever eaten camp food, you know what it's like to have good food, okay? There's a major difference between eight-year-old frozen chicken nuggets and when Jenny comes in and she brings in these fresh patties and she makes home-cooked from scratch chicken sandwiches, and we're just like, how do you have the time or the skill set to do this? And she's great at it. And even more, if you really want to get down to it, if we were to use the campground to cook our meals, it typically costs 6 to $7. It probably went up with everything that's gone on per student per meal. Jenny's able to do it for 2 to $3 per student per meal because she's real good on that budget. And she knows how to do one thing into the next. And so you might have burgers for lunch and chili for dinner, and you know what happened to the leftover burger meat. <laughs> She knows how to do those things. Again, now I'm bringing this up because most of the kids, as they're in that campground, they're thinking about the speaker, they're thinking about the band, they're thinking about their counselor that's spending this time with them, that's really pouring into them. But if they don't eat, you know, especially some of your teenagers, if they don't eat, <laughs> and here comes one of our own who volunteers their time to say, hey, let me provide a meal. This is one less thing you got to think about. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to save you so much money that you're going to be able to scholarship some kids who maybe wouldn't be able to pay for themselves. But because we saved on this part, now we can pour more into the spiritual aspects of it. This is, this is what we're saying. It's saying, hey, listen, I don't want you to feel insecure if your work's not validated this side of heaven because God recognizes what you're doing. And so what I love about her ministry is she sees it as her ministry. And so whenever we offer to give her something or, or bring her up on platform and acknowledge her, her response is, always, no, this is my ministry. This is what God has skilled me to do. And this is what I want to do to serve his people, serve his kingdom. And so she is just as vital to the impact on those teenagers that weekend as any other volunteer who showed up on the grounds. See, you don't pay attention to internal organs until something goes wrong. Same goes for people who are part of the body who work behind the scenes. You may not even notice these people until something goes wrong. Here's my favorite example of that. My media people. JP, where you at? Jonathan, you back there? There he is. Jonathan's right there. Jonathan, wait for the people. All attention to Jonathan. You're lucky Kirby's on vacation right now. Listen, the media ministry, they literally lead you in worship. Right? Not vocally, not instrumentally, but some of y'all are lost like a deer in headlights if that screen don't work. So you're never gonna, oh no, what happened? <laughs> you're never gonna take me out? I don't know, what's the rest of the words? Like, if I don't have the lyrics, I don't know what to do. And so the funny thing is, we don't ever think about them until maybe they're delayed on the lyric. And then all of a sudden, this is what happens. Like, that's going to do anything to help them, by the way. You turn around. It's like those people, like when somebody's working on their car and you go in, you're like, yeah, that's an engine. <laughs> you know, I don't know anything about cars. No, no. But it just feels good to stand around the hood like this. And so what we do is we all turn around and we stare at them. Like, come on, bro. Do your job. And you have no clue what happened. 
You have no clue if the internet phased out, if, if, if there's just something going on in the computer and it shuts down and it rebooted on. There is so much that happens in the media section that is so far outside their control anyway. And they can be great nine times out of 10. And that one time you break your neck to judge them. <laughs> no one notices them until something's wrong. But the work that's done behind the scenes is just as spiritual as what's done up front. Because I guarantee you this, Pastor Jason, he really appreciates the media team. I really appreciate the media team. When I send them my notes super last second and they don't yell at me and complain about it, they might mumble under their breath, but they're like, he's the lead now, we can't say too much. <laughs> but they're great. And nobody knows them. Most of you don't even know their names. Most of you don't even know when they're walking around. The only way now you can tell a media person is their black shirt. They're like, Pastor, can we get shirts? I was like, yeah, I don't know why media people feel like they need to be ninjas, but they all wear black, like black shirts, black pants. They like really don't want to be seen at all. And so it's like, we don't want to be a distraction. Man, I love our behind the scenes ministries. I love those people who serve faithfully week in, week out. You know, I love that Pastor Carlos, his first thing when I asked him, hey, what are you going to do when you step down as lead pastor? His response was, I think I want to help out with the camera. I go, that's awesome. Because again, you would equate it like, well, no, that's, that's a step down. Like you should be teaching this and you should be bringing in people and creating small groups and discipleship and you should be, no, he should be doing what God called him to do. And what he's doing on that camera, I would argue is just as vital as when he stood up on the platform and preached. Yes. Thank you, by the way, pastor, for setting that example. Listen, those that are weakest oftentimes don't get it. And then he goes on to say, that those whose contributions seem less honorable. That was an interesting thing, right? It says, there are parts that we regard as less honorable. Those contributions are the people who contribute what maybe some might consider small or insignificant things. It's kind of funny, if, if the first illustration is internal organs, what Paul was kind of illustrating in the second example were some of our private areas. Again, if you're a junior higher at heart, just hold yourself for a second. This may seem like a crude illustration, but consider what Paul is saying here. That there are some parts we hope are never seen in public. There are some parts we don't want to see in public. And we're especially careful to keep them from being injured or hurt. These might include bodily functions that we train young children to control and to only use at appropriate times or places. Right now, we're in the middle of potty training Josie. And um, yeah, there are some, uh, you know, it'd be nice if, if she just did it on her own, but there are seasons where we have to have her without a pamper and we have to teach her, no, you have to use it in this room on this thing. And that's not easy, but it's something that we have to teach because she can't live the rest of her life walking around with no bottoms, just using the bathroom wherever she sees fit. <laughs> Two years old, there's a little grace. 22 years old, not so much anymore. <laughs> These areas, we may not see them, but I tell you, the person who values them more than anybody else is the individual. Because see, if I told you, if you had to choose between losing the function of your foot or the function of one of your private areas, I picked the foot. <laughs> in the same way, there are folks in the church whose role may not get public attention, but they are extremely valuable to the overall body. Romans chapter 12 reminds us in verse four and five, just as our bodies have many parts and each part, listen, has a special function, has a special function. 
This is, this is what this is for. So it is with the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Right? So these parts, although they may be a little less honorable, a little more private, a little less recognizable in those sense, they are just as vital and they belong to all of us. It's contributing to all of us. Let me give you an example that's going to mortify some people. Because I just want to have fun right now. Can I have Angelique and Haley stand up for me? Where's Angelique and Haley? Man, there's Haley. Where's Angelique? There you go. No, Ange- no, wait. Keep standing. I didn't say sit down. Hold on. Can we give it up for Angelique and Haley real quick? You want to stand the whole service? Okay, you can sit down. You can't see. She's mortified. She is beat red, and Angelique almost was completely disobedient, thinking I didn't know where she was sitting today. (laughs) But listen, why are they important? Because these are two of our admins in the church. Did you know that administration is a spiritual gift? It's listed in the next few verses. As a matter of fact, you think about Joseph in the Bible and everyone admonishes Joseph as a dreamer. Like Joseph was, I want to be a dreamer like Joseph and I want to have dreams like Joseph was not a dreamer. He only had like two dreams. He interpreted a few more, but as far as his own dreams, he only had a couple. You know what Joseph was? Joseph was an administrator. Everywhere that Joseph went, it's his administrative skills that got him to the next thing. When he got thrown into slavery for no justifiable reason, it was his administration that made him the top of all the servants in the household. When he was in prison, it was his administrative skills that got him running and having privileges that others didn't have. When he got into Pharaoh's kingdom, it was his administrative skills that made him second of command. Administrators are extremely valuable, especially to people like me who are dreamers, because I like to dream. I just don't like to do the details, all right? I just don't like that part. And so we require people like Angelique and Haley who step up. A few months ago, I transitioned into the role of lead pastor. Pastor Izzy transitioned into the role of youth pastor. Both transitions went as smooth as they did in huge part because of Angelique and Haley. When either I or Pastor Izzy need to know something, we ask them. When people come to us needing to know something, we say, go ask them. (laughs) Because there is so much that they know that we didn't. Haley registered all of our teenagers for summer camp. She put all this work in behind the scenes. She took all these phone calls. She followed up with all of your last second students. And we like to pretend like it's the students. But some of you parents drag your feet too. And Haley had to deal with all the ins and outs of that. Angelique put together all the events that we had leading up to the transition with Pastor and I. They didn't get the recognition they deserve, but they didn't really require it or want it in that sense. Because they understood who they were really doing it for. It wasn't for the person in the position, but it was for the God of the kingdom. Pastor Izzy and I may get lots of credit because our positions come across as more honorable, but they are impossible to do effectively without the private support of these individuals. Probably the first few months as I sat down in my office, I would look at Angelique across the desk and go, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) What time is that meeting at? Oh, okay. And I'm supposed to say what there? (laughs) But I value the people that God has gifted with administrative gifts. Listen, there are some of you who you diminish what you do because you think you can't do much. 
You're like, well, I just, I, I just, all I, I'm great at Excel. You know, I just know how to do spreadsheets. Amazing. Can we use your help? Can you create some spreadsheets and some databases so we can track things? So we can have metrics that we can use to make informed decisions on what God is calling us to do as a church? Because guess what? I took a half a semester of Excel in college and I still have no clue what that thing is. Mark, for years, was my admin. He color-corded every single thing. He had spreadsheets upon spreadsheets. I was like, Mark, I don't know what you do, but I love that you do it. And here's the reality, my third thing. The truth is, what Paul is trying to talk about in this aspect to the Corinthians is that there are some parts that may seem weak. There are some parts that may seem less honorable. But God has put all these parts together And he made sure that they all work in harmony so that all the members care for each other. Here's the truth. We need each other. Everyone in this room, no matter how small your role may be, no matter how prominent your role may look, God made it so that all the members take care of each other. There is harmony when all these parts come together. Think about this. We don't associate walking with our ears, right? You don't walk with your ears. But those of you who've ever had issues understand there are these tube-like, uh, uh, tube-like things in your ear where there's some liquid that settles in there. And there's some fine hair-like fibers in that ear. And that little itty-bitty fluid and little itty-bitty part of your ear is what handles your balance. So if you have an inner ear problem, it's what might cause vertigo. It's what might cause some issues within your walk and it causes dizziness and spells. Part of why people struggle oftentimes with their balance is because there's an inner ear problem. And we wouldn't associate our ear with our foot, but we work together to make sure that everything works well. And so a lot of times we think this is wrong and so that's why it's not healing right. But it's sometimes cause and effect because we try to help each other out. If you've ever seen like a basketball player, and I don't want to open up old wounds here, but if you just think about Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose had a knee injury. But because he had a knee injury, he had to overcompensate with his other knee. And he had to overcompensate with his back. And suddenly the knee injury becomes a leg injury, becomes a back injury, becomes all these other injuries. Because when one of us is not functioning right, everybody else has to pick up the slack. And it starts to hurt the overall body just because you're not doing the small thing we desperately need you to do. It's like if you've ever worked at a, at a place where you had the liftings, maybe you had a little part-time at U-Haul back in the day. Remember, like college kids, they would offer you a job at U-Haul and they'd bust you out. Borderline slave labor right there. But they would always tell you, hey, make sure when you pick something up, you lift with what? Yeah, you lift with your legs. Why? Because if you don't use the body part that's meant to be used to do the function that you are doing, there has to be another part of your body that's not built to do that, that has to overcompensate to fulfill your role that you're not doing. And so now I still got to lift this up, but because I'm not using my legs, I'm going to use my back and I'm going to hurt my back simply because I'm not using my legs correctly. See, they say 15% of the church does 100% of the work. There are parts of our ministry that are strained people that are getting burnt out, not because the ministry is hard, but because some of us who can help aren't doing that. There is harmony when all these parts come together. Ephesians chapter four, verse 16 says this. He makes the whole body fit together 
perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. These parts of the body work together. The eyes and the ears do not only serve themselves, but the whole body. The hands do not only feed and defend themselves, but the whole body. The heart does not only supply blood to itself, but serves the whole body. Everything you do serves the entire body of Christ. Every aspect of what you do, every portion of what you do. And again, don't minimize the role that God is giving you. Some of you may be like, well, I just, you know, my job was just greeting people at the door. That's huge because first impressions are huge and you only get one of them. So if I walk in and you give me a stank face and you're rolling your eyes, I can't believe he's wearing that today. Immediately I'm like, nah, I never again want to walk in that building. I don't care how nice the preaching was. I don't care how great the music was. The first person I encountered was rude. You know, I think about people like Brother Lewis and AJ who spend all this time cleaning our building. Again, you don't notice it unless you walk into the bathroom and it smells like urine. And then you're thinking, wow, this place stinks. There's garbage all over the floor. The parking lot is filthy. There's stuff by my seat. You know why there isn't? Because you got men like that who diligently work to make sure. And listen, I, I, I'm just gonna say this. They don't get paid extravagantly to do that. But I thank God that both of those do it from the bottom of their heart as if it was being done unto the Lord. You want to know how? Try to move some of those things just a quarter off and watch if Lewis doesn't lose his mind and put it back where it was. <laughs> Pastor Carlos, because he was more of a tease than I was, he used to move the wastebasket in his office about a quarter inch every time just to watch Lewis move it back. <laughs> you know what I love about that? Is that's my brother's heart. Now, some may call that OCD. I call that efficient. <laughs> But listen, even if it is OCD, that God can take what others look as a disability and say, no, we're going to use that for the honor and the glory of God. Some of you are like, well, I just have an issue. I talk too much. Great. Talk for the Lord. Well, I got an issue. Like I'm, I'm always like trying to meet people. Like, oh, great. Be a greeter for the Lord. Well, I have an issue. All I like to do is sit home and read. Great. Read and write curriculum for the Lord. Like whatever you do that you think is an inhibitor really is an ability that we need to grow the body. And some of you are like, but we don't have anything like that in our church. Maybe because you're not doing it. I would gladly start a ministry that you are well and functioning at, but sometimes you can't because we don't have anybody that can do it. Here's what happens a lot of times in churches. People come up and say, pastor, you should have such and such ministry. And I say, oh, that's a great idea. Are you going to do it? No, I just thought you should do it. Oh, thank you. You can't just go to the chef, hand him a recipe and tell him, cook it for me. We are part of the body. We're in this together. And sometimes there is a part of the body that only lives to serve itself. It doesn't contribute to anything for the rest of the body. And everything it gets, it uses to feed and grow itself. We call that part of the body cancer. When you come into this church and you've been here week in, week out, month after month, year after year, you consider this your church home. But you don't contribute anything. You just take you just receive. Man, that was, a, that was a good word. Pastor preached. Worship was awesome, man. I really like coming to this place. 
And I'm grateful for that. But I really wish you also enjoyed serving at this place. I really wish you also enjoyed giving to this place because you are missing out on the best part of being in the body. The best part about being a part of the body of Christ is that we come to serve one another. Worship team, if you can help me out. Listen, when you do that, when you get involved and you get plugged in, you end up really accomplishing what Paul ends this portion of scripture with. If we go back to that verse as he goes at the end, he says, this makes harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Our body parts do not have individual feelings. When one aspect of our body hurts, the rest of the body aches. Even last night, I was coming home. It was a little bit later at night. The lights were off in the, in the alley as I parked. And I opened the gate, and then I took a step forward. I didn't realize the gate kind of came back, and I just slapped my toe against it. I was a good, I didn't do any bad words. I was, I was a good person. I was a good man of God. I just went, <sighs> But it's funny that my face grimaces when my toes hurt. Nothing happened to my face. But every part of your body feels it. Right? You ever hurt yourself so much, you just feel it in like in your belly, you feel it in your back, you're like, that just hurt your whole body raise. And immediately your hands go to your feet. Immediately you go to check. Every aspect of your body jumps in. And that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, last night, uh, I had flown back early from a trip. I was speaking at a conference in Pittsburgh. And I had an opportunity to fly a day early. And listen, if you got a chance to come home to your wife early, you should do that. They're always very happy about it. So I took an opportunity to do that. And I hit up my boy, Sal. Sal, where you at? Why don't you wave your hand, Sal? Sal's my guy right there. And I said, hey, Sal, I need a ride uh, from O'Hare. Do you mind? Are you available? Can you pick me up? Now, you know you love somebody if you're going to pick them up from O'Hare, right? That's a special kind of love. You don't just do that for nobody. You don't even want to ask most people, right? In your mind, you're like, I don't even want to ask them. That's just too much. I don't mind asking Sal, though, because I know Sal's heart. And so I said, hey, Sal, would you be able to pick me up? His response, done. I go, my guy. And then right before the plane's about to take off in Pittsburgh, I get a text from Sal. Hey, man, an emergency came up. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be able to pick you up. I'm okay. I'll explain it later. AJ said he'll get you. Which I'm like, hey, man. Thanks. (laughs) As long as I got a ride. Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't originally ask AJ because AJ's been picking me up the last few times and I was trying to give him a break. But I'm glad he worked it out. I'm like, that's cool, dude. No problem. Handle your business. Keep me up to date. Let me know what happened. Well, here's what happened. One of our other members, David, where you at, David? You're in a drum cage? Dave, are you drumming today? We should talk. We should pray. The reason I'm surprised when I came in and saw him drumming because David was in a pretty bad car accident yesterday. Or Friday, I should say. Car is gone, right? Car is totaled. And thank God he's obviously safe, I hope. If he kills over, just let me know. But he's safe, you know, no major injuries, went to the hospital and all that stuff. But, you know, David's from the East Coast. He doesn't have family here. He doesn't have a lot of friends here. His wife doesn't drive. So who does he call? He calls Sal. Because they were supposed to get together anyways this weekend and just hang out and play some games. Sal, who he serves with in youth ministry. And so Sal drops his pastor because he says, hey, one of our members is in trouble. 
and I need to go take him to the hospital. I need to make sure he's okay. So I get back and Sal texts me. I say, what happened? He explains everything that went down. Yesterday I called David to make sure that he was alive. And he said it was great and everything was fine. And then just, if you know David, you know this is what he does. Man, I'm so sorry I pulled Sal away from you. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is what we're talking about this month. This is what the unity of the body is about. That you called on the people in the church and they responded and they reached out. And you didn't call the pastor and you didn't call his admin to set something up. What am I, a paramedic? I wasn't gonna do anything. I wasn't even in town. You called somebody you served alongside. You called somebody you've built a relationship with through the body. And that person came and just gave aid where they could. And then another person in AJ came and helped out and picked me up still to make sure that I wasn't stranded. And all the parts of the body worked together to make sure that things happen the way they're supposed to happen. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. Being part of the body is so incredibly special. In a time where we are more isolated than we've ever been. People think they're connected because of our advances and social media and our advances in technology but really what those things have served to do is isolate us more than we've ever been in a world of likes we're really desperate for love and we're not accomplishing that in part because we're not taking the time to build those relationships and I would argue some of the most important relationships you will ever build in your life as a believer is with other believers because when I need advice, I wanna go to someone who's gonna lead me to Christ. When I need help, I wanna go to someone who loves me with the love of Christ. When I'm hurting, I wanna go to someone who's not just gonna talk to me, but is also gonna pray for me. Like I just need men and women in my life who understand what I think, where I'm going, and who I trust in. And this is the place that God has called you to build those relationships. And listen, you don't got to be friends with everybody in this room. You can't really be best friends with everybody in this room. But if you can learn to cultivate some relationships with two or three, and two or three easily becomes five or six, and five or six can easily turn into 10 to 15, and slow and steady, you start to cultivate your community. The problem is many of us have foregone that. And if David had done that, who would he have called in that situation? Maybe a coworker? But let's be honest, when you're a coworker, like, buddy, we're friends at work. <laughs> don't hit me up later on, don't ask me to do this, because then you're gonna call me to change shifts and all that, no, we're buddies at work. No, we gotta cultivate relationships here so that when you're desperate, in need of the Lord and you feel like you're alone despite the fact that God reminds us we never are you're reminded that you have someone there think about with Adam and when God looked at Adam and he said it's not good for man to be alone but, but Adam walked with God 
What do you mean alone? Adam had a relationship with the Lord. Well, what did God say? It's not good for him to be alone. We'll create a helpmate for him. Not just a wife, a companion. We're each other's helpmates. We're here to aid each other. We're here to help each other. You know, just noticing right now Melissa's in our house. One of our members who's out doing God's work. And she had to come home temporarily for some medical treatment. And I was so grateful, even before she touched down in this country, prayers from this church were already lifted up for her. And by the grace of God, good report so far? Great report so far. I say all this because I love the church. I really do, whether I was the pastor or not. I just love the way God put this together. That we can be here for one another. And that we can serve each other. So I just want to pray for you real quick. And then we're going to transition into a few things. But I'm going to ask you to stand if you can for just a moment. And I'm going to ask you just close your eyes for a moment. Just introspectively, just for yourself. I want you to search your own heart. There's two types of people in this room that I need to talk to. One, if you've never given your heart to the Lord, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about denominations. I'm talking about a personal relationship with God. Because no companion here is going to be able to compare with the relationship you can have with Jesus. And it's a personal decision. I'm not asking you to come to this church. I'm not asking you to be a part of this. I'm just saying, you can't receive everything that comes with the body and be outside the body. Any organ cut off of the body withers and dies. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, sir, ma'am, if you're here, I just want, again, I don't want to miss this opportunity if you're here. If you've never given your heart to the Lord or maybe you have a long time ago, but because of circumstances, even outside of your control, you've walked away. You've cut yourself off of the body and you're reminded this morning just how desperately you need to be grafted back in. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, would you just lift up your hand right where you are? I'm going to pray for you right there. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you do anything. I just want to lead you in prayer. If there's anyone here, thank you, sister. Anyone here? That's me, Pastor. Anyone else? One more chance. Thank you, brother. In the back, I see him. Anyone else? Thank you. I see you back there. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Nothing magical about this prayer. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, then you are saved. So I'm going to ask the whole church, because I'm going to assume the majority of us in here are believers. Would you just repeat after me? Say, Jesus, I know that I need you. And I'm sorry, Lord, for whatever it is that's kept me from you. I ask you now, forgive me, God, of my sins and my unrighteousness. Bring me into the body. Make me yours. Help me, God, to love you the way you love me. I pray this all 
Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And Lord, in the same way, I want to pray for that second group of people in this room. Those who consider themselves to be part of the body, but aren't functioning within the framework of the body. God, there's so many giftings and talents that you have bestowed upon people in this room. Areas that they don't even understand they're good at, God. Skill sets that they have that they haven't really put into practice in a long time. People who maybe at one point or another were diligently serving and allowing themselves to be used by you. But for one reason or another, God, they've stopped functioning. Lord, I pray, bring life to those dry bones. Bring life once again, oh Lord. Father, I pray that you would stir it up within them, Holy Spirit. That you would stir up those giftings once again. That you remind them, God, even in those moments where they feel like they don't need the church, but God, we need them. So Lord, I pray, raise them back up, almighty King. Lord, whether it's behind the scenes or on the platform, every one of us in this room matters to you. Lord, I pray may we be used for your honor and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Be careful. I know most of you are certain, kind of used to leaving at this point, but we're not done. I want to add one little wrinkle to this message. In the same way we said, when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. When one part of the body is honored, the rest of the body is glad. Maybe it's because I've spent 13 years as a youth pastor that I have this heart. But I strongly believe that the next generation is not the future of the church. That would put them on the sideline waiting for their turn. Every individual who has joined the family of God, regardless of age, is a part of the body. So here's what I'd like to do because school is starting this week. I want us to pray for that part of our body. I want us to intercede for our young people who are going into what some might consider a battlefield, but I call it a mission field. I want to pray that God's protection would be over them, that the Holy Spirit would guide them. So if you're a student here, elementary school or high school, would you do me a favor? And again, I'm sorry if this is awkward, but if all of you do it, it's less awkward. Leaders, help me out with this. And even if you're going to college, we'll pray for you too. Would you join me on this platform? Come on, stand up. Stand up, young people. Come on, come on up right here. Come up here with me so they can see you. Yeah, little kids too. If they're in school, bring them in. Listen, y'all were cute, but those kids walking in right now, they just, they just set the bar. Yeah, you can leave them right up there in the front. Don't want to let them overshadow you too much, guys. Listen, I know we have a lot in this schedule, and I know this might push us back a little bit. But it's so important for you to understand these may not be your kids, but these are our kids. Does that make sense? They may not be your kids, but they are our kids. 
from the youngest to the oldest. <laughs> there are kids. So I just want to pray for them. And church, I'm going to ask you, as they come in, would you now, I'm sorry, I know I asked you to stand and sit, but you know, at least you don't have to do it 15 times a service. Would you stand one more time? And would you extend your hand towards our students? And I'm going to ask Pastor Carlos, would you come join me, please? Would you pray for our students? Come on, church, let's lift up our voice right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we praise you. We praise you, Lord. Magnify your name. Thank you for the gift of children. Each one of these are our children, given to us by you, Father. So we thank you, Lord, because they are a precious gift, Lord. We love and cherish them, Lord up our hearts right now, God, to you, asking your richest blessing on our children. Our desire is for every single one of them to have a dynamic encounter with you, Lord, to know you as Savior, and to develop that intimate relationship with you. And our desire is that you would add to that the empowerment of your Holy Spirit upon their life. Baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Empower them each and every single day that you give them life. And as they prepare to go into this school season, oh God, we ask also that the Spirit of the Lord would go with them, guiding them each and every single day watching over them and protecting them, Lord. Keeping them from every plot and scheme of the evil one. We live in such a day and age, oh God, where we, we get concerned over the, the circumstances that because we see at any moment uh, things can happen in school that no one anticipated, no one thought would happen. But God, our trust is in you. As we commit them into your gracious and mighty care, you will not only watch over them, but God, we pray that this season might be a season of great harvest, that you would use them, oh God, use their voice, use their lifestyle, oh God, to speak to others about your grace and your goodness. We want to hear testimonies of how You've used them to communicate to their fellow students, oh God, in school. Reaching them for the gospel, Lord. And we thank you for all you're going to do this school season, Father, through their lives. For the glory of your name, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.